Yo! Welcome to another episode of the Where It Went podcast, where we are continuing our discussion of the Revelation Records discography in chronological order. Jason, what do we got today? Today we're talking about Farside's last release for Revelation. Their last release, the LP, the Monroe Doctrine. What number is this? This is Rev number 69. 69, dude. Uh, Listen, I'm going to give a spoiler alert right now. I'm not going to be in the entire episode. I have to go do some stuff with my kid. But can you please ask them why this is number 69? It's like a burning question of mine. (laughs) Absolutely. And I hope it has something to do with Bill and Ted. Um, but before we get into the thick of it, it's already time to. Greg, bit what do we bow, got this week? Mm-hmm. Bit of bow to this episode's sponsor, Iodine Records. Um, www.iodinerecords.com. Actually, we don't even have to say the www anymore. I don't know why. Old habits die hard. Mm-hmm. Um, what, do you, do you, only, what are you going to do? Do you use dial up? To get onto that, H- HTTP yeah. colon, no. page um, me when you get on the website. And they just announced a second pressing already of the slip. Is that the one on red, the like translucent red vinyl? Yeah, it looks so, real nice. It looks like maybe he's got some smoky in there. I know there's a lot of people that uh, want to get every version, so there's another version that people are gonna have to get. But it's also great for people that maybe missed out on the on the uh, initial drop because um, the deluxe I believe is all gone but if you check out Iodine there's releases from other bands Her Head's on Fire One Line Drawing um, Quick Sand of course more more things coming so give them give them a holler and also we have a song premiere a uh, friend of the pod, Vince uh, Averill. Is it Averill or Avril, Hav? That's a good question. I, I say Averill. Okay. It could be Averill. And we can leave this in because Vince can Vince can correct us. But, yeah, he can, he can uh, tell us on his own podcast. These um, fucking guys got my name wrong. Happens to me all the time. <laughs> I, I get pollard all the time, so yeah. I'm so used to it. It doesn't bother me. Yeah. But, you know, I sorry, Vince. Anyway, friend of the pod, Vince. Um, he's in a band from Los Angeles called Cross Control. Label mates. And, uh, they are label mates with Hav. And album is called uh, Try and Survive. And out on New Age, obviously, home of some so many great bands of past and present. Um, you can grab limited vinyl. And merch from our friends at newagerecords.com. You can grab, uh, they usually always have like a Rev exclusive color through RevHQ.com. Um, the song's rad. It's called Half Right. And you'll hear it after the Far Side interview. But as far as every anything that is said after the Far Side interview, what do you have to do to hear that, Hav? Well, you would need to go to www.whereitwentpodcast.com. And learn how to become one of our Patreon supporters, where you can hear us talk a little bit extra after every episode. 
hear little bonus episodes where we get to punish our our interviewees um, about some other stuff. And there's, I don't know, there's all kinds of stuff. There's like discography challenge episodes. And also, if you go to our podcast or our website, Stephen Miller, bit about a Stephen Miller from Unbroken. He hit me up recently and he's like, hey, how come the Wikipedia about Revelation Records discography has all these holes and it's all weird? And I go, hey, listen, anybody get their hand grubby mitts on Wikipedia. If you want the real deal, you go to whereitwentpodcast.com, sign up for our email list, and it'll send you. At the time, it was the most comprehensive uh, discography now I, I it, some of the newer stuff isn't on there like big laugh <clears throat> and planet on a chain and stuff like that but uh it, it's it's pretty thorough so you yeah can get that and just so you know we're also. talking we're talking discography numbers not yes. all the pressing info and stuff that's, right right that's above our pay grade <laughs> mm-hmm. um and also speaking of like the website and stuff um and it's coming to my mind because it's his birthday today I want to give a special happy birthday to a friend of Javier and I, Vadim, uh, who, if you listen, you know, when you listen, you hear that outro music. That's him. He's got a new solo album out um, that you can check out via his va- band, ugh, band camp, Vadim uh, Taver, T A V E R. So check out his band camp, new album. I think there's CDs, vinyl, digital. But he did the uh, cool like judge. Yeah, it's hard to tell what it is, but it's a it's a judge cover in like kind of a loungy, I don't know, bassy format. And so happy birthday, Vadim! Mm-hmm. So for his birthday, get yeah, him uh, get him some scans or whatever from the band camp. Mm-hmm. Listen, I got a quick bit of bow. Uh, friend of the pod and friend of Jason Mazzola, Wes Eisold. I've been, uh, I subscribed to his Substack recently, which for you boomers out there is kind of like a new updated version of maybe a blog or live journal or something like that. And it's great. And it's been really nice every day to listen to his, his words and his thoughts and, you know, kind of get into his writing a little bit more. But something that I learned via his Substack, and not any way else, is that he has a Revelation Records playlist on Spotify, and he broke on his Substack. He broke it down track by track of why he put some of these tracks on there. There's a lot of early Rev stuff, you know, Sick of It All and Judge, Right Brigades on there. But then he dives a little bit more into like some kind of uh, screamo slash scrams stuff like heroin and moss icon and then you know some other kind of different kinds of music in there so the revelation records the title full circle revelation records playlist curated by wes eisold so check both of those things out if you are interested in art or anything related to wes and i really well, like his uh his oh. damnation shout out. He put a song off Misericordia and then talked about meeting Mike McTurner. I thought that was a cool little write up and mm-hmm. that's it. I do have one. Bit of Boda McTurnan's also. Absolutely. Of course. Always. Eternal 
eternal, <laughs> uh, eternal bit of bow to Mike and Brian. Um, one more, because I know this person, uh, I know Jason's not going to say it, wow. but Cloak Dagger. Hey. I just have a, already went on a second press of the uh, seven inch. I see there's a shirt seven inch combo. We are cloakdagger.bandcamp.com. Thank so you, Greg. It looks, it's on a. It looks great. Hey, you yeah. know what it reminds me of? It reminds me of the rebuilding comp. Does it's it? got that. Yeah, it's got that like red and yellow cover, and then yeah. it's on yellow, the gold vinyl. There's a version of rebuilding that looks a lot. Oh, like that, that one's oh okay. Gone, and that one's actually gone. Mm, yeah out of that yeah so he's um, out thank you thank you uh matt michael our bass player he screened those up and he did awesome he's the one that put out the record it's quit life records you can check that out for his band no man and some other things what's the shirt printed on comfort colors greg (laughs) all day i had to push for it jason (laughs) i had to push for it what the mock-up doesn't look like comfort colors well it is it's got a man could be shook Yes, he can. He can get some Bella canvas or some <laughs> Yazbek in the mail. Ooh. You never know. Oh, uh, Jason, right, you got well, anything think, to shout this this yeah. week? Uh, Other you than know yourself? what? Thank you, Greg. No, I went and I was doing research for the episode, and I came across an article on No Echo with Evan Jacobs, who did the into the studio with Farside, the Monroe Doctrine documentary, and you know he said that. Uh, he was talking about the movie and he talked about the recent episode of where it went. So I thought that was cool that we got a shout in there and also yep. just, it's a cool movie. You should check it out. Nice little insight into them in the studio. Worth yeah, to watch. Um, so. Evan, Evan Jacobs, AKA Mushnick. Uh, there's a, actually a bonus episode on Patreon where I talk to him and it's, it's very interesting. He's a great guy and he's made a lot of really cool movies, including the one Oh eight, tour documentary and a series of movies called death toilet that are very interesting and a movie to tie it all in a bow here before we kick the episode off there's a movie called walking between the raindrops that i believe is an actual movie starring none other than popeye ah nice Mm -hmm. and you can check that out on vimeo i think it's i've never been able to pronounce it i think it's ad hananda let me see and Adhananda Films. Um, he's going to kill me if I get this wrong. Uh, Ab Abhananda. I, I don't know. Anyway. Uh, well, but you know what we should do? We should just put a link yep. into the episode somewhere, maybe in the notes for, for the Spotify, because it's it's cool. Um, it's, it's a cool documentary. And so if we can link it to that site that has everything else that he's done, that would be cool. Let some people into yeah. the chat and kick this far side interview. Yeah, let's time to kick it. Can I kick it? Kick it, kick it,
Central Embrace record was iconic and amazing. Um, and it was for a cool cause. But let's get into Rev 69. So we're here with Popeye, Bob, Kevin, Chu, Brian Chu, uh, Jim Monroe, the namesake of the album, Sean Rosenthal, bass player, uh, touring bassist, correct, Sean? Um, and old mate of schoolmate of Javier's, yeah. but we won't hold that against him. <laughs> yeah, I mean, any questions you have about him when he was younger, you know, just let me know. <laughs> um, so that was totally incomprehensible. You just sounded <laughs> like you were in heaven. I heard. Didn't he oh, sorry. Yeah, I said any questions. You, I think it's uh, any questions you have about how when he was young, you know, I hear him pick on you guys and I, I'd love to give him back, you know. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> you're going to be a, you're going to be like our uh, phone a friend. We're going to be having an <laughs> argument with him and just like patch you in and be like, well, in high school, you said this. But anyhow, um, I guess the first question we mentioned Rev 69. Now, if we look chronologically this record actually came out after the next ones that we're going to to be covering um you know this because this was i think later in 99 if i'm not mistaken and we're we're kind of still back in 1998 how long did you have the hold on that catalog number and what made you i mean apart from was it literally just yo it's funny it's rev 69 exactly yeah that, that was it. I, I went to Jordan. I said, can we please have this number? And he said, okay. <laughs> really? And, Did you really? Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Very because even, even when it came out, I remember being like, wait, why is this all the way? Like, we're already in like mm. Rev 80 or whatever. And then yeah. uh, I, I got yeah. the joke. Yeah. yeah. That's stupid. What is the joke? Uh, I don't get the joke. I love it. So we'll explain. explain to, so there's a when six. I, <laughs> <laughs> don't Google it, kids. Um, <laughs> so there was a long. So the last Far Side episode that we did was uh, off the top of my head. I forget the catalog number, but it was for the, the seven inch, uh, the uh, four song seven inch with the extra tracks on the CD. So I think that was 1995. So. Four years, which is funny because I feel like nowadays that's not a lot of time between records, but back then it was like an eternity. Like I remember when this came out, I was almost like, oh, I, did Farside break up and get back together? Like, w I guess my first question would be what what took so long? <laughs> no. Come on, Coach Bob. <laughs> you snickered. You answer. <clears throat> Typical, typical style of ours, I, I guess. I take, I don't know. You guys tell me. I really don't know. I don't know. We're just laggers, right? I think These guys fair. couldn't write any songs for four years, I guess. I don't know. Writer's block. <laughs> Not sure. I, I don't remember why it took so long. I mean, I, I think there was a point where we hit a dry spell and we weren't writing anything. And I think like we talked about last time, we spent more time fucking around at practice than we did actually writing anything. Um, I know we spent uh, an inordinate amount of time recording it. Um, mm -hmm. 
and and we 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 uh, sort of kind of demoed it even like we we recorded all, all like all the tracks most of the tracks like I don't know a year before or something at some place in Laguna. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, Jim hooked us up so, with that place. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I I think we were just I, I think we just felt like there was no rush, um, and we weren't playing. Uh, I mean, we were playing locally, but not very often, and we weren't touring all that much. Um, I was, I was certainly more, more uh, focused on my uh, stupid job uh, than I was on on doing the band. Um, I think, I think that, I think that's applicable to all of us. I think we just, we were, we were becoming more adulty, and we were getting more and more involved in other things, and. I don't think we ever had any any big dreams that this would be a full-time thing and we were you know you get older and you eventually get out of college and you got to get a real job and right take on more more responsibilities so yeah yeah, we just we didn't always have i don't think we 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 didn't prioritize it that much and i think we just didn't make the time to do it Um, i remember i remember as well other things going on to cut you off, Pop, I, I was traveling a lot. I just remember that. In 98, yeah. I went to Europe, oh, Europe like man. 10 times. Yeah. And I just oh, remember. Yeah. And that was for your, your with work, your, right? With your, yeah. Your animatronic dinosaur. dinosaur making time. But uh, yeah. I went there Wait, like what? 10 <laughs> times, nine times <laughs> in 98. Wait a second. <laughs> you know, I got married in 98 as well. There you you go. can't just gloss over that. Making uh, dinosaurs. <laughs> I guess he can. <laughs> gloss right over it. I guess he can. I don't know. It sounds Bob, interesting Bob to me. Had a, he had a job awesome. where he he, he uh, made animatronic dinosaurs. It's awesome. That's like like you go to like Disneyland best job ever. Like the T Rex is like, <laughs> like, like that kind of stuff. Yeah, that's yeah. sick. But then the other thing is that the whole other show. Bob, there. Yeah, <laughs> since you don't want to talk that about is. it, we will. Um, yeah, Bob would have to like fly out to places all over the world to set up the animatronic dinosaurs and then oftentimes <laughs> stay there in case it broke down so he could be there to fix it. So True. you, you, yeah, you, yeah. So you we'd design them, we'd make them and yeah. we, yeah, I would travel to the first shows and then to yeah. set them up. But yeah. that year specifically 98, the same year I got married, we, we went, uh, I think I went to Hungary, Budapest nine times. Mm. So that oh, had wow. something to do with it. So, can't believe I forgot that. But. Yeah. I did you know? Did you I know that this was going to be the last record at the time going in? You think, or I, I didn't. I I mean, we started writing after that, right, guys? Okay, cool. And yeah, I we. Think, I thought there would be more. Yeah. Yeah, I think when we were recording it, I, I don't think we felt that way. I think maybe once it was out, maybe maybe a little bit, um, or at least I did. But yeah, I don't. I going in, I think. I think we, aside from just taking our sweet fucking time, we we approach it the same way we would anything else. Just wow! I I, ha- this, I have this is a record we're gonna make. I have a I have a completely different, different, different perspective. Take? Yeah, because I, I think at least to me it wasn't spoken, but to me I kind of had this feeling that we all kind of knew that this would probably be the last time we were ever in the studio together. Really? Like I like I, like I felt like that's Fuck why you. we. <laughs> <laughs> it, 
it seemed like it loomed heavy in the documentary, this kind of sense that people were growing up and, you know, priorities were changing. But it's funny because in the documentary, there's a point that into the studio documentary that shows the recording of the Monroe Doctrine with Jim Monroe. There's a part where Chu was talking about how people are 26 now and, you know, things are changing. And to me, that just blew my mind because it seems so young. But uh yeah it seemed like there was something happening and I had heard rumors before this record came out that, yeah, it's going to be far side's last record. So that's interesting. That- mm. That's why I said, I felt like that that was like in the air or understood or I don't, yeah, I, I don't really know, but it, it is funny. Cause I would say that that time in your mid to late twenties is when, like, I even know as myself, like that was when I was like, like Popeye said, like, I got to be a little more adulty. Like I started having kids then and working a real job and things like that, that probably in 1994, when you guys were in your early twenties, you know, rigged was out and popping wasn't really that much of a going concern. Well, I know the time we were recording, um, Chu was, Chu, you were in San Francisco, right? Okay. 1994, moved to San Francisco, uh, 98, I started teaching. Yeah. And, and and started my program and I was working like full time in restaurants and it was crazy. Yeah. San Francisco. Yeah. Yeah, ninety four. <laughs> but I mean like teaching is not like like I was working I was like the, the, the assistant manager at Jamba Juice. I mean, compared to like like teaching children, that is that is not a real job. But like Chu's job was <laughs> that's like a that's an important, demanding, stressful, exhausting job. Dude, um, making dinosaurs is fucking important. I'm, yeah, <laughs> I'm, saying, I'm, I'm saying that my job at Jamba Juice was, oh, was bogus, and I uh, shouldn't have really worried about it too much because I was I was making schedules for sixteen year olds. Well, sure, but you're Not, you know you're, you're concerned about you know building a future and you know I wasn't doing concerned things about and, building a future. Now, the future was not a thing that that ever occurred to me, and that was. I think that was another problem I had. Everything was just the present. I had no, like no plans, no ambition. It was just, this is my job. Uh, I'm going to it. Um, and, and I, you know, I went to college to be a teacher, but then that like after doing student teaching, I didn't, I, I, sorry guys, I don't like kids. Um, <laughs> I know some of you have them. Um, and so that, that kind of dashed that dream. And then it was just sort of like, eh, I'll do this. Um, so I didn't, the, the future really wasn't a thing for me, which I think is probably why like, I didn't think too much about what the next mm, step was going to be with Farside. That's fair. I think another thing was uh, at, the, at the time that when we were recording, um, there, there was a, there was a, there were well, definitely geographical stuff like you know Brian being in, in San Francisco, but Kevin, you were in San Diego. Yep. Um, Bob was in Orange County, and I was transitioning into moving to Los Angeles, and so it became more and more challenging for us to even be in the same room together. I remember there were a lot of recording sessions where we were not all there, and I remember there were songs where we were playing each other's instruments because Jim's like, uh, we need a guitar track on this. Um, can you just like pick up that thing and do a <laughs> such and such? Um, yeah. Yeah. You would, I mean, that's El Bobo. 
Yeah. You, you were <laughs> the in the studio <laughs> by yourself. Best song on the trip. <laughs> one? No, 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 no. One of my I personal that favorites. Was, that was, I think I arrived early. I, I got there before you guys were late or something like that. And so it was just Jim and I, and it was like, what do you want to do? Let's, let's do this. And, and Jim, I think it was just you... killing time until yeah. you guys showed up. Well, it, it's, it's pure brilliance. I'd like to hear Jim's thoughts on El Bobo. It's a, it's a strong track. I don't know what to say. Um, <laughs> it's all Kevin. I, I, I mean, it bring... I'd like to think that I had one contribution, which was the uh, Middle Eastern voice. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, um, yeah. I mean, that song brings me to tears. It, it's deep. It's, it speaks to me. I don't know. I don't know what yeah, else. It's a, it's a heavy tune. Yeah. Mm. And I believe it's about your ex-brother-in-law. Is that correct? That is correct. Now, now you you use the word about. <laughs> I don't know that it's about anything, but yeah, El Bobo. That's that's my. Uh, that would yeah about. Sorry. Um, yeah, I remember n- not knowing anything about that song until uh, I don't know. We heard. Yeah. Uh, also, a running theme with when it came out, like suddenly mm-hmm. shows uh, songs would just show up and like, what, what, Popeye, when did you record that? Kevin, when did that happen? Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> keeping everybody on their toes. Yeah, oh yeah. The, the the fashionable rebellion is another one where, um, it had to be finished, and you weren't there, so I had to pretend to play guitar like you, which is impossible. Um, ah, see, I have a different memory. I have I I did the little noodly part at the beginning, but then the rhythm part. I hadn't got that down yet. The, the timing was throwing me. And I, I remember just going, ah, fuck it. You do it. <laughs> Something like that. Yeah. Yeah. But, uh, yeah Probably, I think for, for time reasons. Well, yeah. Cause you know, the, the, the smart, uh, the smart option is, uh, Hey, mediocre guitar player, you play this Popeye. So that's kind of what happened. Always say mediocre. You're, you're a better player than me, but I'll, I'll just leave it there. So I've got to, this is jumping ahead a little bit, but you were talking about the Fashionable Rebellion. So the re-release of the Rev LP, the Fashionable Rebellion and Save It for the Children are digital only songs. What was the reasoning for taking off the Fashionable Rebellion from the... I was not aware of that. Yeah, that's the first I've heard of it. Is it? Okay. Or is it only... um, Maybe like I'm actually gonna look because I have the reissue. Okay, because I, I have want, the original I, one, so I was confused by that when I saw it in the. No, the, 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 I meant the reissue of the uh, of the Monroe Doctrine. Yeah, but m- maybe the original vinyl only had the 15 songs too. I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna do my little and I should have done the homework before, but okay, here we are. Uh, that's a that's a possibility. Um, yeah, I think well, the vinyl it, had everything, didn't it? It's, it shouldn't have. There's way too many songs on that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you know what? Where I saw that is I think I actually saw it on the Rev HQ site. It said something about there being digital only tracks. Nope. Yeah, the original, the original also um only had the 15 tracks, not 17. Oh, okay. Interesting. Yeah. All right. So, okay. So it could be uh a 17 song version is 50 minutes. Um, which you can fit onto a single LP, but maybe for sound quality, they decided to, you know, chop two songs and have it be 
Although they're not that long, but <laughs> maybe have no. like 45 minutes or whatever it would have been. Yeah. Thank God Liz Hurley made the cut though. Mm, one of my yep. favorites, Kevin. I know yep. it was one of your favorites. You just love to bash away on your, yeah. So yeah. I, I wanted to, so, so obviously, so we don't know why the songs are cut. We'll have to maybe ask, ask, uh, Jordan, use a lifeline and, uh, Get him, get him in on it, which you'll probably say, I don't remember. <laughs> um, how long did you have? Now, I didn't, I haven't seen the documentary yet, but so I don't know if this is addressed. Did you know that the title was going to be the Monroe Doctrine, like going in, or that no, was later on? That was that was very last minute, mm-hmm. wasn't it? I think it was Pop's Pretty idea, much, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah, I, I, possibly. We all, yeah. yeah, we all agreed unanimously after you suggested it. I, I, I wanted to say the working title was Cafe Depresso. <laughs> I think. Um, or, oh, or well, that was that it's, was. It's in the. Well, there's that whole sheet of. Uh, it, it's in that. Um, I don't have yeah. a copy of it. It's a, I think it's on now, the back of the record, or it's in the lyric sheet, or something. It's it's all the quote unquote rejected album titles, which. Mm-hmm. I mean, obviously, we weren't going to name the album Roberta Violence and the Human Shish Kebabs. <laughs> there's, there's a bunch of them in there. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but I think, I think the Monroe Doctrine came. I think that was, I think that was Mike's idea. <laughs> Mike, Mike, a.k.a. Popeye. And, then, and I think it was last minute. Jim, how did you feel about that when they when they uh, yeah. hated it? How did you feel about that? When I first heard about the idea, I was uh, made me uncomfortable. Oh, really? Well, I just um, I, I I knew these guys pretty well from that point, and you know, a lot of those studio sessions were very much um, uh, roasting the other individuals around you. <laughs> <laughs> and so that seemed like right on par. And then after a while, I I I, I learned to embrace it, and I and I'm uh, I'm actually proud of it. I really like the record. So if I didn't like the record, I would have been pretty upset. But uh, I like the record a lot, so it's it's uh, it's all good. But uh, yeah, I guess that would have been that would have been a bummer if that album was a turd and then yeah, yeah, which it it could have gone either way, right? So. Yeah. But uh, yeah, originally I, I maybe uh, it was awkward, and uh, I wasn't sure if it was uh, laughing at me or with me. And uh, now I feel fine. No, never I, laughing at you. So well, was, I mean, you you like you said, you've had a, you were working with these guys on pretty much every major release. Like we said, there was some comp stuff that uh, they they d- had to do elsewhere. And I know the the very first seven inch you did. What with Don Fury, right? With Walter. Mm, yeah. Um what, so you watched them grow. What what did you think about as far as like being a producer, engineer, like watching these guys? I mean, the song writing, I feel like just kept getting like more complex to me, more like tighter. Um, I mean, some of the my favorite far side songs live on this record. What was that like for you to watch them? Just you know, grow as musicians. You, and you say grow when in fact when I met Chu, correct me if I'm wrong, Brian. How, how old are you when I'm uh, 1990? 
1990, I am, uh, <laughs> I think I'm 17. Yeah, so no, I'm talking about watching people grow. Chu was just a kid, and um, I'd actually met Kevin first. Kevin played drums in a band called Head First. And, um, and then, uh, I don't know if you remember this, Popeye, the first time I met you, is you came in for a overdub session with Truck, Chuck Trees. Chuck Trees, yeah. You guys kept me waiting for like 45 minutes. <laughs> I was pissed. I was pissed. These dorks show up on skateboards and they're super annoying. I'm like, I don't like these guys. I don't really like these guys at all. And I was about to lock the door and leave. And um, so that was my introduction to you. But, yeah. um, but then um, uh, Rochambeau. Rochambeau, I did um, overdubs on. And that's a long time ago. I barely, I guess you and I we did vocals and guitars. I, I, I certainly don't remember vocals, guitar overdubs, and then E mixed it. Mm-hmm. And, and, um, and then uh, uh, Cubby, Rob, Rob moved on. And um, enter Kevin. Enter Kevin. And then. Um, one thing I was going to say, what was uh, different about the uh, the doctrine that uh, from rigged was um, we did we did went did a pre production demo, and um, I was just a big yeah, believer because uh, I uh, for rigged it was like you show up. What's the name of this song? I've never heard it before, <laughs> and not that I brought any a whole bunch to the party, but it just felt like it gets everybody a little more prepped and minimize surprises. Um, but that's something we did different for the doctor. We, one one day, quick, we just went through all the songs and documented them. But for rigged, um, we um, we didn't do that. It was very much. Hey, let's know. not let's not forget that snare drum that you brought for the Monroe Doctrine. You made me change mine out. Remember, it was yours, your personal one. That's something that's uh, bothering you to this day, or yeah, a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> a little bit. <laughs> um. Let it go, Bob. Um, <laughs> um, yeah, uh, you distracted me. What were we talking about? <laughs> uh, just watch, you know, watching them grow as musicians, as individuals. Because, again, you met Chu. He's a teenager. These guys couldn't have been m- much older than late teens, early 20s, even. I just remember Chu specifically being the, probably the youngest of the group. And um, But when you said grows, absolutely watching these guys um, – yeah, I'm, and I'm 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 ten years older than all these guys. So, um, yeah, um, I, I rigged. Um, I, I love rigged. It's it's such a concise. I think it's like less than thirty five minutes. And I just thought it was really strong, as opposed to the doctrine, which I love. But it's like fifty minutes, and um, <laughs> there's some fun stuff on there. Some silly stuff, which I I, I back fun silly a lot, but. Um, uh, rigged. I, I was a big rigged fan, and um, uh, yeah, and the, the, of course the EP was uh, kind of came out of an old place, but uh, there's some good stuff on there too. Hey Jim, this is Chu. Uh, hey Chu. Yo, man, I've not heard your. I've not heard your voice. Uh, number one, hello. I haven't seen. I haven't heard or seen you for like decades. Uh, I think the last time I saw you was like in the '90s in the Tenderloin. Yeah, we got breakfast in uh, San Francisco one day. I remember that. Yeah, yeah, years <laughs> ago, man. But uh, yo, you remember like I mean, number one, like the homage, Mon- Monroe Doctrine, fucking homage, man. And I just remember there's that Osprey show at, at UCI, 
and I was talking to Kevin about this, and I was like, yo, like, I'm pretty sure that was Jim's, like, anniversary, and he came to that show at UCI, and Kevin's like, make sure you ask him that uh, when we do this little, little podcasting, but yeah, man, like, I was like, I remember that being, like, a big thing, and, like, you coming through to UCI when we played with The Offspring, and that was, like, kind of, like, you know, it was an Irvine, it was a big show, and it was like, yo, like, I mean, at that point, I mean, you're already part of the band, but, like, it just made sense, you know? That was like, a fun show. I don't know. I remember that show. You guys, the uh, yeah, that was a good one. That was, uh, was that crushed him is what you were gonna say. Crushed. Right? Yeah. Um, <laughs> is that on YouTube? I feel like have I seen? Is that one on YouTube? That show. That was a fun no show. No idea. Was it outside? No, it was Crawford no. Hall, I believe. Crawford Hall. Oh yeah. Yeah. With the red ants. It was. Yeah, yeah. it was the. It yeah, was, I remember uh, the red ants. The, yeah. Us. Yeah. And offspring and the red ants were insistent that we open, yeah. despite the the, uh, the order having been set for quite a while. And I think we had to get our booking agent on the line with them, um, mm-hmm. and she was booking Rancid at the time. So I think she yeah. had clout with Epitaph or something. But it was a, it was a whole thing. They were like they they were really unhappy with us. Yeah. Um, yeah. The red ants they were on Epitaph, right? I mean. I yeah, barely even yeah. remember them, but I remember Far Side. And I'm talking about them 25 years later. So, <laughs> who wins? No. <laughs> um, and I remember agent, was, uh, was that if, Stormy? Stormy? Uh, yeah. 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 Stormy Shepherd was booking us at the time. And I remember, Kevin, it was your idea that we, we all dress up like substitute teachers. Yep. And so we, yeah. we wore like sloppy ties, and, and Bob was like, no. And uh, <laughs> well, Bob had to play drums, you can't really yeah. He had to play the drums, so he had to be comfortable. And couldn't Chew, find my corduroy jacket from the last, yeah. And, and Chew was wearing an Arizona Cardinals t shirt, <laughs> but then I Kevin and I looked like we, but Kevin and I looked like we we just got off a shift or something. You spoke before, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Jim, how so long were the best. how long were the days that you when you were recording? Do you remember it being, was it long days? Was it short days since it was uh, recorded over some period of time? That's a um, good question. Yeah. Oh God. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to guess for the drum tracks, we probably did like a three-day lockout to to get the uh, 17 songs, am I right? I mean, uh, yeah, 15, 15 real songs, 15 kind of real songs or 14 kind of real songs and I'm sure we blocked out three days for that kind of thing to kind of get uh, drum tracks done. I don't think we had to set up drums twice. Um, Bob is Bob is really really happy that his contribution took only three days, and the rest of us took like fucking. Bob uh, conserving that money, yeah. And then you guys <laughs> blow it over. He's a, he's a professional. <laughs> it's uh, I don't know if it's a secret, but Bob, Bob doesn't like being in the studio. Um, that's okay. okay. Um, a good memory. No, it's uh, it stays with me. I feel like for drummers, it's. I mean, it's. I can't imagine. I don't play like. It's got to be daunting. Because you're, you know, if the you know, drums you, aren't good, you're screwed. When when I look back now, you know, now you, I wish I had more memories of it and photos and video, like from Evan, the documentary thing. I was in it a little bit, you know, we were trying to figure something out, but I was kind of like, where's the part of me in there? How come I'm not on you? I remember, and then I would flash back. I remember telling Evan, 
get the fuck out of here with the camera when you're when I'm recording because I hated it. Jim's right. I didn't like to be in there, and then I didn't like Evans sticking that camera in my face, so yeah, it wouldn't let him film me. But uh, now I wish I did. And that the that video that the, the documentary thing. There's also I'm sure you guys remember. There's the scene where where Jim kicks us out of the room. He's like, okay, guys, you have to get out. <laughs> I think we I think we I think we may have reached a point with with Jim like too much of a comfort level where it didn't feel like we yeah. had to work so hard. Like we could, we, right. we were like, Hey, we're just going to go in and we're going to hang out. And you know, that <laughs> right, exactly. We're going to go hang out with a friend. <laughs> let's, yeah. Let's come up with some good jokes and uh, you know, some <laughs> non-existent working titles for the album. And, and we were, we were just happy to be together and, and, and just be in this, studio and then like literally hours would pass by and then someone would say hey should we actually go record something and you know we, we weren't like we weren't drinkers or potheads or anything we just wanted to hang out um that's probably the the story of far side in general is we just kind of wanted to we just wanted out. to hang out the far side we just wanted story. to hang out <laughs> there it is I, i'd like to say something too. i i jim i appreciated you obviously because you're great at what you do. And then also you're a drummer and I loved, and I remember a couple of times I was trying to do something that I couldn't do. And you just slap me and say that you shouldn't be doing it. <laughs> and uh, we changed whatever part it was. And I was like, I was pretty, pretty happy about that. So um, I'm a, I'm a big uh, Bob fan. If I haven't told you before, I'm going to make this a big love fest, but uh, Bob does we love that. Bob does stuff that other people don't do. And I think that's a, and, and take that as a great compliment because he and he does them with a certain confidence I, i'm a yeah i'm a fan um on, on lots of songs like man uh, you wouldn't hear somebody do that it works great and he sounds confident doing it and uh, yeah i said it i'm a bob fan <laughs> i i agree totally. i think i love the <laughs> drumming on much. this record um and all the far side stuff so Bob. I completely agree. Thanks. Bob, yeah. Yeah, I, I think awesome. I've said it before, but Bob's one of my favorites. And it, and it's, and Bob, if I've never told you, it's, it's your, your left hand. The things that you're doing with just like, you're, you're kind of keeping the rhythm over here, but you're sort of like bouncing on the snare and doing stuff. And and it's, I think I've told you this before, but but just it, there's like a real like Stuart Copeland vibe that that I just, I thought was so cool for a punk rock band. Wow. That's Absolutely. awesome to hear from you guys. Thank you so much. Yeah, it, I didn't it, think about it. It sets it, it sets it apart. Um, among many other things that Farside did, I think, set you all apart from, you know, some of your peers. Sean, did you think that? You're okay. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> Dial it back in. Thank you. No, no we we agree. You're, you're totally great. You're awesome, Bob. We all, you also, like, provided a place for us to practice and... Uh, <laughs> oh man, I gotta get to story. You tried that. to fight the the driver on our tour, you know. You were, <laughs> nah, and you got barely, me, barely you got jumped on. Edge. I have to bring this up at some point, but uh, Bob pro proclaimed he was the edge breaker when I left uh, for the far side tour. I was still straight edge, and he's like, "I'm gonna break your edge before it's uh, <laughs> before it's over." <laughs> did he? Succeeded. Yeah, uh, yeah. He did. Chew. <laughs> Chew, I have to bring this up now. I think I broke your veganism as well. See? He, he takes pride in this thing. 
number one, number one, I wasn't vegan. I wasn't vegan. Number two, you did not break my edge, bro. I remember going to Burger King specifically and you telling me not to tell the others that you were going to eat a, a burger. Like, like, like Kevin and Pop, I would care, man. Don't lie, bro. You're making fucking shit up. <laughs> Tony, Tony, that shit happened. <laughs> <laughs> we probably did. Fucking Burger King, man. <laughs> or I guess. Uh, Maybe it was an impossible, impossible Whopper. No. Nah, nah, it was a fucking uh, it's Whopper with cheese. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> running theme here <laughs> so the thing with this record like we touched on a little bit is that there's there are those like i don't want to call them like vignettes but like you know little like detours like these sonic like there's songs and there's songs that sound like you're having kind of having a laugh like it's an inside joke you know, that maybe we're a part of, maybe we're not, you know, um, I always said, I know Kevin's not going to be happy, but it's a compliment coming from me. It reminds me of Dag Nasty Field Day and that like some of my favorite Dag Nasty songs are on there, but then there are songs where you can tell they were just kind of like having fun in the studio and messing around. Was that, did you know, going in like, yeah, we're going to do like, we have these songs we have, you know, uh, Hope you're unhappy and songs like that, but then we're also going to do, you know, El Bobo or whatever. Save it for the children. Another one of uh, Jim's contributions. Um, well, I, I mean, what songs specifically were you thinking about? Just like the goofy ones? Yeah, like the, and then there's the, and I'm always bad with titles. Looking That's at my right. record. Well, um, I mean, there's really only two goofy ones and and maybe Maybe some people think there's more, but it's really just it was Save It for the Children and El Bobo were 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 the jokes. Everything else uh was was very serious. I mean Liz Hurley, we we were serious with that. Um, That's right. We we spent a lot of time on that. Yeah. Even yeah. though it, what was that like a 45 second song? Yeah, something like yeah, that. Yeah, we practiced that one a lot. Yeah. And uh the other one, I can't remember the name of it. The the one that the timing is so weird but the one where you're like really really yelling um with the with bob's drums at the beginning yes yeah i could see how some people like if if they had only heard rochambeau and then they heard that they would think oh they're these guys are fucking around but not at all like we were very very serious about that saving for the children was the tail end of some song we recorded and at the very end of like finishing the, the, like the first take bob just starts doing the the beat and and i think i i kind of <laughs> yeah. just started, followed just making shit up and then we thought oh again great great use of time let's <laughs> let's turn that into something and so i like, <laughs> recorded more guitars and then like bob and jim and popeye all did vocals on it um there are no lyrics even though there's lyrics printed, that's just Popeye making shit up. And then he wrote down <laughs> what it sounds like he's saying. <laughs> that that was a joke. But the rest of it was uh, we, we were we were very serious about those. Uh, uh, again, I'll go back to at least in my <clears throat> my frame of mind. I had this feeling that this would be the last time that we would all be in the studio together, and. Um, but also in a manner of progressing as a band and we wanted to make this 
you know, you want your next record to be better than the last one. Even if you're really proud of the last one that you did, you want the next one to be even better. And we just threw so many eggs into that basket and spent so much time on it. And we were very, very meticulous about it. And I think that's why it took so long. Cause we just, uh, and I, I, I think more I meant there's like, so you have something like, like Jim mentioned, like rigged 10 songs, you know, and it's just kind of yeah, all, you know, standard, great far side songs, but it doesn't have focused. these yet yeah, focused. So not yeah. necessarily saying yeah. jokes, but like having, um, and I, and like I said, I li- that song Liz Hurley is awesome. Uh, you know, like they're not, I'm not saying these are jokes, but more just like, the fact that there was the different dabbling in different styles, um, yeah, and stuff. You know, I think I think Farsight Farsight is a fucking dark band. You know I mean, like if you're really looking, I mean, you know, I'm gonna, I'm gonna speak on how I feel about it. You know, like you look at every single record, like like it's not it's not lightweight. You know, I mean, you might sound lightweight, right? But like, I mean, at the end of the day, like you're tackling like real shit, like 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 a song like Someday Too Soon. That's a fucking heavy song for like someone as, as a, I don't know, someone that's like, I don't know, a teenager to think about, you know, or like even just, uh, I don't know, I think, I think the jokes come from like, it's kind of like the comedian shit, right? Like, like comedians are like the most serious people you'll ever meet, but they can't hit that shit straight on because like, it's just too serious. So I think the subject matter of, 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 of you know, what was being expressed in the music, it's fucking dark, you know, and, and I think that, um, it's almost like, uh, yeah, it's dark, but you know, it's it's, it's kind of indulged in like light as well. You know what I'm saying? And so, for sure, you can't be too yeah. too heavy. You got to go light to go heavy, right? Yes. So I think that yeah. was kind of balance with it. Yeah, and this this record in particular is, I mean, lyrically, like it's a downer. Uh, like Papa and I were both mentally, we were in not great places. There, there was just a lot going on in both of our lives that were uh, not super awesome. And I, I think Popeye in particular um, was, was, I've said this before, but a song like I Hope You're Unhappy, it's like, it's like reading his diary. Um, you know, it is, it is very straightforward. Here's what happened. Here's what's happening. And here's how I feel about it. And, and it, and it works, but it is like, like this, this is a, this is a downer of a record, like maybe too much. Um, mm. Like it's, it's, it's a bummer. It's, it's funny. Cause I was going to ask in particular in regards to that song, what was your reaction? This includes, you know, Jim and, and Sean, like hearing that song for like, I can't imagine that song being finished and you hear it and you're reading the lyrics and the music, like, how moved were you? I feel like I would have been moved. Um, uh, well, um, I mean, I don't know. I don't know who you were directing this question to, but. Uh, <laughs> well, not you, because it's you who wrote the words. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but nobody else is saying anything. So I yeah. think we should say something. We can, insert a, we can insert a, a pin drop sound right. yeah. in there, hot in post-production. <laughs> that, that kind of, um, that kind of um, uh, to try to communicate that kind of thing, that personal kind of thing, it, 
it's uh, it's a tough thing to do. Popeye's Popeye and Kevin are both uh, good at doing that. And, you know, you can come in with a song about your dead dog, your dog who died. <laughs> That's what I was looking for. See, he's laughing when in fact <laughs> you come in with a song about a dog that died and be a really powerful thing, and it either works or it doesn't. Right. And, and sometimes when you come in with that super uh, personal emotive thing, it, um, it 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 either translates or it's done, and it, or it doesn't. And I've seen I've seen it go both ways. Someone starts singing a really powerful. This song is powerful to me. It's about this and this, and it's like, let's hear it. What do you got? And they do it, and it either works or it doesn't. And I think both the Kevin and and, uh, and Mike both really good at, at doing that kind of thing for me. And it's it's a it's a uh, it's an individual thing whether it works for you or not, whether it translates, whether it resonates with you. And um, it's a I think it's a tricky thing to do. And I'm yeah I'm gonna stop there. <laughs> that that song in particular, I hope you're unhappy. I mean, so Chu Bob and I we we knew exactly what it was about. Um, because, you know, we, we, like, we were all friends. And so we knew what was going on in each other's lives. And I mean, there's lines in that song, um, that, that probably no one understands. Like the line where he says, I'm getting used to my kitchen. Like, like if you're, if you're just listening to this and you don't know us, you're like, what the fuck does that mean? But I, we knew that Popeye lived in a place with, with, I think with Jeff, and yeah. you didn't have a kitchen. So, so you guys had like a hot plate and that's what you would cook your food on. And then you, you, you found a new place or whatever. And it had, had a, like an actual kitchen in it. And yeah. so it's those little things like that, these little things that nobody else would understand. But, 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 but Mike didn't care because the, the point wasn't, I'm going to write a song that people can relate to. It was, I've got all these bees in my head right now and I've got to get this out. I, that's how I have always interpreted. I, I mean, you wrote it. I don't want to well, put the words in your mouth, but that's how I always took it was this, this is everything that's going on with Mike and he's getting it onto paper and then he's, he's wordsmithing it to make it work. And, and for those of us who knew Mike, like for me, at least, I mean, that song was, was devastating listening to, to the words that, that, that he was singing. And that was that was my point is like you guys are friends and you're hearing a song like that that's very vulnerable and and what that would be like. Like for instance, like you know, Jason, if Jason and I did a band and I knew Jason was going through some shit, and then I hear him write a song like that, I would be moved. You know, that that's so I can't yeah, I can't even imagine because you like you said you knew like to to us as a listener, like we get the vibe of the song, but you know we're only going, we're only going skin deep and you guys actually had this knowledge and I'm just, you know, wondering what that was like to hear. Yeah. That song, uh, and moral straitjacket, I think came out right before the album. It was on that comp, right? Moral straitjacket. So was, uh, yeah. I hope you're happy. Uh, I think it was on, uh, the East coast versus God West coast. Was oh, one wow. Of okay. Soundtrack? I think you're right. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, Popeye, is that right? Uh, yeah. And yeah, I mean, though hearing both those songs, you know, I was a huge Farside fan before I got a chance to to tour them. It's like, yeah, those, you know, I was super into emo, love Farside, Sensefield, you know, Mineral, 
Sunny Day, all that stuff. And I was like, oh my God, this next album is going to be like this just emo powerhouse. Like, especially those two songs, hearing them before the album. Man, yeah, I was blown away. I didn't, I wasn't, didn't know these guys yet, actually. I didn't meet them until about a week before we, well, I met That's Popeye. That's not true. I met Popeye at Radio Shack uh, when I was working there. Yeah. I gave him some free ba- free batteries. But um, Yes, you did. Yeah, I didn't. <laughs> uh, so I I love those songs. And I'm so excited. And I just thought this whole album was going to be like, you know, those those songs. And, uh, you know, I mean, I think this is also some something that maybe led to the demise of the band. It's like some of the best music came out of like those emotions and like just having these heartbreak and all that kind of stuff and by the time that the band started to end everyone was like really happy and good relationships and they didn't really have these uh heartbreaking moments anymore um to write those kind of songs about but yeah those are two of my favorite songs um but yeah i didn't really know popeye yet when i when i first heard it so it was like so you were hearing it like like we heard it oh yeah yeah exactly this is yeah yeah. different perspective but yeah, I mean, they're I both. Mean, the, the, the lyrics, I know your children will be beautiful, but I don't ever want to know they exist at all. Fuck off. That is brutal. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And <laughs> that know, song I mean, endures. Popeye plays okay. it still with an acoustic guitar. I've seen yeah. him do it a couple times, and it's just heart-wrenching every time. Yeah. But, but but I think, I mean, everybody's gone through something like that where they can relate to that. And, and it, and it, you know, you hear the, you read the lyrics and you're like, fuck man, that's harsh, but you can relate to it. You've been there. I've been there. I, I mean, I don't know. For sure. Bob's well, never Kevin, been there. Kevin, you know, I, um, <laughs> I, I, I oftentimes fed off of you and, um, I never, I never thought that I was a very good lyricist and, um, and you know, people like you and Jeff Cadell always consistently wrote the lyrics that I wish I could have written. Um, so don't give me too much credit because you know, <laughs> definitely you, you definitely pump me up and maybe try to try to you know be better than I thought I could be. Um, and to be honest, when I you know because this this was back before things like garage band existed where you had to, you had to like show up to practice and say, okay, Hey guys, um, here's a song I did. And it goes like this. And I, I, I was convinced that you guys would not like it at all that you would be like, yeah, that's kind of lame. Um, but I just kind of went for it and you guys, I think, I don't remember you being super enthused about it, but you were like, yeah, I think we could work with that. And then we kind of went from there. Um, well, so that's interesting because, you know, I think one of the things about Monroe Doctrine, I mentioned that it, that it could have been edited down a little bit, which I think a lot of people agree with. I don't recall a, a, a situation where one of us came in with an idea and then somebody else went, eh, no. Like, particularly around that time, I think we were, we were like, like, you could have come in with something that was just real, just a, a real shiny turd. And we would have been like, fuck it, let's do it. Let's, let's see what comes of it. And, and we'll work but you on still it. have, but you still have that in your mindset that, uh, are the other guys going to like this? You know? Yeah. Like, the, like yeah. that was, 
that was my motivation. I wasn't thinking like, what are the people going to like? It was like, what are my bandmates going to like? Like, what are we? Yeah, that's a good point. Enjoy playing together, you know. Well, it's a good point. Yeah. I don't remember you guys come. I don't remember dropping a lot of songs, if any songs. No. Like, and I think it's because just we, like you said, I don't remember to do new stuff. Go ahead. I, I, I think I just remember that maybe an idea would come out, and then you guys would, you know go home, write more and come back and, and, or in the, in the practice spot, figure it out. But I don't remember any song coming in where any of us just said, that's shit. Just yeah. fuck off and go home. I don't yeah. remember that. Yeah, you're right. I was just happy right. to be there. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> did you collaborate on the lyrics at all? Kevin and Popeye, did you show each other, Hey, here's the song, here's the lyrics. And then did you work together on any of the lyric writing or did you come to so. get to come to the band with the songs complete? I don't think we I ever mean, collaborated on lyrics other okay. than like, yeah. maybe here's like a, like here's a harmony I thought of or something like that. But can you uh, imagine if music. they did though, how depressing that <laughs> fucking song would be? Cafe Despresso. That Cafe one we would have said. Depressa. Fuck off with that. Come on, <laughs> Kevin, like, Silver anniversary is still and <clears throat> and statues of snow. Yeah, oh my God, my kids' man. favorite song, uh, Silver. Really? Yeah, oh. they love it. Yeah, they don't uh, know like, what they're talking about, but they love the song in the car. <laughs> yeah, so certain things are like, man, I, I have no notes. You're, you you got it, but uh, um, there there were some occasions where it would be like, I don't know if it, I, I wouldn't say that mm-hmm. Kevin and I like wrote songs together, but it would be, it was, all, it was just more like a collaborative thing with the entire band. And Bob, you would add in things once in a while. And Brian would add in things once in a while. Like, Hey, what about if we kind of tweak this a little bit here or there? And, and that was what, that was what we did when we were practicing. Like we would, we would just kind of jam it out and try to figure out what we, what we all enjoyed. But uh, um, I think with the lyrics though, like, there, there, there would, there was no point wherever where I ever thought it would be my place to tell you what to do with your lyrics. Same here. Like that just it never occurred to me. Like it's, it's this is this is Popeye's song. These are his lyrics. I have no input on this. I, yeah. I, I know they're going to be good. I'm not worried about it. And it would be pompous as shit for me to go. Hey, you know what you ought to do is. You know, change this word around or whatever. Like, no, that that just never occurred to me. Same with me, man. Um, I'm I'm looking too, and I see this was recorded and mixed. It says 1997 to 1999. So there, yeah. uh, Do you know how many actual, or even a ballpark of how many sessions were done? Three Gems. for me. <laughs> Bob was like, "I'm done." What's this? Bob was done in 1997. It was a lot. It, it was a lot of hangout time for me after I, I, I felt relieved after that. But then you start hearing the same fucking song every time, every day you go in, and you get right. real nitpicky about what you screwed up. But then it was, you know, it was fun to watch them do their stuff. So it's fun. Um, yeah, you were living then, just. You lived close by the studio, so you could just kind of pop in at your leisure. I remember working on uh, someone's car as well when you guys were recording. Oh, Zach. 
Oh yeah, yeah. In the back of the shop. This is old. <laughs> That's right. We were making a hot rod. That's funny. Yeah. I was like, I'm done. I'm gonna go work on his car. And we <laughs> came back two hours later and you guys were still doing the same thing. Yeah. <laughs> was did the car end up getting fixed at least? We it was brand new and we were trying to make it go faster. And it was a yeah, because he was going Volvo on like a Turbo Volvo wagon. I knew he was going on a snowboarding trip or something. And yeah. And we turned the funny thing that you guys don't know is we did some screwing around with the turbo in his car. And then we took some hot laps around uh, the area and we came back in. And when we opened the hood, the turbo was glowing red, like glowing red. And he's like, is it supposed to be like that? I'm like, I don't know, your car. <laughs> it was fun. <laughs> yeah it was a lot of free time after the after i was done so it felt like years i think it was well apparently it was according <laughs> to the so um moral straitjacket was mentioned because that was on the antimatter mm-hmm. comp um mm-hmm. but a different version did jim mm-hmm. did you did jim you record that one the antimatter one with jim as well i believe so yeah Yes, you I'm did. Not, I'm not sure why it was redone. I was I was going to ask, not that there's a problem with, but I was just curious if there was a reason sure. why it was redone. I think it was just for maybe a continuity, but I I, I don't remember being a, a big advocate for having having it to do it again. I just I, th- I think it was because uh, um, Norm from Antimatter. Um, sent us money to go in for the one studio session to record that song. And I think when we went back to record the album, we kind of wanted the tones to be the same. Uh, and yeah. that's the thing you can tell it's a different version. So I could, I could see, you know, yeah. it, it more fits this one. Cause I mean, when I first heard that song on the comp, that was really my <laughs> intro to, to far side was that. Uh, oh, wow. That comp. Cause I was like 15 or whenever, when it came out. Um, and I'm being like, there's so many, this song's amazing. There's so many parts, like there's a lot of different parts. It's, it's just a great song. It was, you know, full disclosure when we did the antimatter episode with Norm, that was my hot track. Um, I love that song. Um, but that's the, uh, it's the prog rock, uh, version of bars. That's our King Crimson song. Yeah. (laughs) But it's just, it's so, it's just such a great song and it's just, that's what I was talking about with the growth of songwriting. Like that song couldn't even have been on rigged like that. Like it just seemed like such a, and I love rigged, but it just like technicality wise seemed like such a, a step up. That's the longest far side song. Yeah. I think very possibly. I I remember Um, you coming in with that and kind of like you had everything down. I remember not, yeah. I don't think you're piecing it together. Like you came in strong, confident. Like here's the new song, check it out. I'm like, yeah. well, I, I spent like three, three or four months writing it. So yeah, I damn well better have it down at that yeah, yeah. point. That's <laughs> cool. It's a great song. Thanks, Jason. I know Jason wanted to ask. Um, Jason, you wanted to talk, and I wanted to know too about the uh, Jason. You know. Oh yeah, I wanted to ask about the artwork for the record. Just the cover concept that Kevin had. Um, taking photos. the photos, Jeff, Jeff, our friend, Jeff Caudle took the photos. Mm-hmm. Um, 
Kevin, you want to talk about the well, concept you, a little bit? It says, it says, I, I don't think that was my concept. I thought that was oh, Pop's really? concept. That's no, what it that says was, in the liner notes. It says it gives you credit. That credit? Oh. You got that credit. <laughs> it's in there. It, All right. Maybe, maybe it was your idea, Kevin, but I was the one that, that kind of took it and ran with it. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, yeah, so there's a, there's a long story behind that cover photo. Um so so yeah we had we had this idea and we were like yeah let's do this and um so i went to uh i went to a store and bought that suitcase or that that briefcase on a credit card um and then i went to this place called the pleasure chest in west hollywood which is a 24 hour sex store and bought those handcuffs um and then uh got some fake blood and went over to Jeff Caudill's apartment to take the photos. And while we were doing that, some kids on bicycles showed up and said, hey, what are you doing? And Jeff said, oh, this is for a movie. That's Charlie Sheen. (laughs) Oh, okay. And then as the day went on, uh, more and more people in the apartment building thought that I was actually Charlie Sheen. And uh, to the point of where I had to like, rush out of there but i did actually sign autographs to people like hey <laughs> stay in school charlie sheen i remember hearing about that have a great summer charlie sheen <laughs> don't do drugs charlie sheen <laughs> yeah stay in school um, and then jeff yeah. took those photos right mm-hmm. yeah yeah in his, in his driveway of, of, of his apartment when uh, he was in hermosa beach at the time yeah kind of a reservoir dogs vibe to it a little bit yeah that was kind of the point um, and then the then the other photos were, um, oh yeah, because uh, yeah, because we all met I up at my mom's house in Irvine, Thank you, Irvine. and then and then my friend uh, Darren Roberts, who was a, who was a, like a special effects expert, mixed up a bunch of fake blood, and then we went around the neighborhood and took those photos. That's I think that was my idea was to have us dead. I don't think it was the cover. I think it was us the, the interior shots of us just being. Dead, dead and, and bloodied <laughs> up. So maybe I, that's. I agree with that. Yeah. yeah. And I see that um, looks like this was mastered by Char- the late Charlie Watts from the Rolling Stones. Is that same same guy? I'm assuming. Oh, totally. Yeah. <laughs> no, <it's, laughs> I, I just saw that. I was like, oh, Charlie Watts. Um, let's see what else before we because I wanted to. Well, I wanted to ask about. And then this is what might be where Sean comes in. The one time I did see Farside was on tour with Saves the Day and Fast Break. Mm-hmm. Um, that was like a revelation. Well, Saves the Day weren't on revelation, but it was like kind of this like build as like a revelation showcase type type deal. Um, was Brian still on base at that? I, I don't remember. I don't remember no, much I- about. No, yeah, that was, yeah, that, was that was me. That, that was you, yeah. Sean. Yeah, yeah. So, I guess my first question would be, how did it come about? You like, we know that Brian started working, teaching. Was it just wasn't Brian was on tour then, weren't you, Brian? weren't you in Russia with? Yeah, man. Like, remember, like when we were going to go on tour. So I was like, all right, well, I'm going on tour, peace. Yeah. <laughs> that was, that was yeah. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Let's talk about like, uh, yeah, ninety. 96 to 98, there's a thing there. 
Yeah. Yeah, I think I think I, I think I we're. Think that, go ahead. No, I was gonna. I, I think we're probably gonna say the same thing. I I feel like we were. Um, we were kind of at a place where it's like we could go on tour for two weeks, or we could not tour ever. Uh, we kind of. I, I feel like we kind of didn't know what to do, but we felt like we had to do something. Um, was Rev wanting you to tour? Oh, absolutely. Uh, uh, um, Always. In, init- initially, we didn't touch on we didn't touch on this. Um, Kevin, it was your idea that you wanted this record to be a double LP. Yeah. And I feel like it has that, that feel. That's what I was going to say. It's almost like like a like it has the feel of a double LP because of all those musical detours. Yeah, and and, and again, that's why there's so many tracks in there because um, we were working on it as if it was going to be a double LP and Jordan being the practical guy that he is said or asked, are you actually going to go on tour to support this? And we said, mm, probably not. And he said, okay, well that's no, you, 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 you get, you get one record. And then we, and then we, we reached a point where we were begging him for money. I remember Jim and I going to revelation and just saying, come on, man, we just need a, few more dollars so we can finish this and he's like are you gonna go on tour ah. um and it's not like we didn't like going on tour it's just we it just wasn't really feasible for us at that right. point in our lives so um, so like at that point at that point brian you said he was on tour with with rage against the machine which yeah that would have been the saves a day tour thing was in 99 yeah. So that 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 would track because like that's like probably Battle of Los Angeles era. So there's I, a lot, very busy the way, time. I think the way that, I uh, remember it. Well, as you said, the, the way I remember it, and, and Chu can keep me honest here, is um, we had been playing so infrequently, and we had taken forever to record this that when we came around, and I say we, I, I don't remember whose idea it was, but. But when we decided, okay, we're going to go out on the road for, for two weeks or whatever, I remember Chu being like, is this really worth it, guys? Because, you know, I'm, I'm teaching, I'm, I'm going out yeah. to, to do these things, and, and I've got all this, like, stuff going on. Um, and, and I remember me very adamantly saying, like, oh, no, this is very important. Like, we, we need to do this. And, and – you know, in hindsight, I don't, I don't know that it was because I, I do think we were kind of on our last legs. But for me personally, I was really betting on this record and that tour being the one that like wound up making us enough money that this could be our jobs. And so and, and, and it, I think part of that was I was I was in the middle of this this divorce. Um, I had lost my job. Like it was just it was just there was nothing going on for me. And so this was kind of my lifeline. And so I was very adamant that like, oh, well, this has to work. Um, and I think Chu was being imminently pragmatic about it and just saying, guys, and Chu, again, keep me honest, but I, I really remember you saying like, I don't know that this is going to be worth the time and the effort for, for me to like step away from all of these like legit things that I've got going yeah. on. but. No, yeah. I don't think so. I think I think like right around like like ninety six. I just remember like the, uh, it was like you want to go on tour because you can go anywhere you want. 
You can go to Japan. Yeah. I remember these folks were talking about us to go in Australia. And I'm like, yo, like, like, let's just go. And, and I don't think we were all in. Like, you know, like, I think Bob and I yep. were like, yo, let's do it. And there's some hesitation. And then I'm like, yeah. oh, no. Like, uh, like what's, what's going on here? And then I'm like, all right, well, uh, yeah, this is racing coming up and I'm out. So when y'all figure it out, let me know. And so yep. I went on that tour, coming back, kind of recording the album during that time. Um, I mean, I, I remember it's like those, those, the, that footage that Evan has, I remember actually coming back on tour, finishing like bass tracks and then bouncing back out on tour. I think we went to like New York to play that, uh, that TV show. And it felt like, it was just kind of like things were up in the air. And then that, I just remember, I, I don't even know when I, when I quit or left or how that even really, I was kind of, I just remember going like, yep, and that's done. And then I think that, um, that must've been like right around like 98. So I was done yeah. and I just was doing my teaching thing. And I'd already like kind of separated from it. And maybe that was when the, the era was when you're like, oh, like maybe that, that's when probably Sean came in. It's funny because I, I was telling Sean, I, I just met Sean in person for the first time, like like a month ago or something like that. But I was like, yeah, yeah. man, it's funny because I didn't know there was like two bass players. <laughs> I'm, like, I'm like, why do you call him <laughs> Brian Balchak Rosie? Like, I, I, just, I, just, I just didn't even really understand that. But yeah. um, that, that must have been like 98 or 99, right? 99, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. So I, that's, I think that's the time frame right there. But I mean, we could, I mean, like I said, there was, by the way, it's funny because, you know, Kevin said he was going through a divorce and like, you know, uh, Farsight's like, like a, it's a serious relationship, you know? So it was like a, it was like, it was like a divorce before the divorce. Right. So yep. anyways, but yeah, I mean, serious relationship. Um, and yeah, just different stuff. You know, I just knew that at a certain point it was just never going to be just cause it wasn't, you know, it just wasn't the time, you know? And so, you know, like I said, I just was like, uh, I think I'm going to kind of move in this direction and kind of put my focus here. Uh, not that I didn't love the band and the, and the folks in it. It just was like, yeah, sure. we kind of, we're at this point, you know? Yeah. Because that tour, it's funny in hindsight now, that's like a hell of a, a tour. And I remember the show in Philadelphia was at uh, this little place called The Kill Time. Uh, it was like a, it was neck. It was in West Philly. I don't know. It was a small place. I don't know if it was like an art gallery or former art gallery or something. I don't, my memory's hazy, but I remember at the time saves the day. They only had the first album out. They, they had recorded through being cool, which was their like big breakout one, but didn't, I didn't know that many people liked them. I loved them. So I was like yeah. all in, like, I loved that first record. I loved fast break. So I was like, I got to go to the show. And I remember something like they showed up late. So they had to headline, which I kind of thought was weird. I'm like, wait, why isn't Farside headlining? But then I realized like their crowd there was like <laughs> a lot. Like at this point, this yep. is right. This is 99. This is right before, like, it's like weeks before I'm going to freshman year of college. And it was all people my age or even younger. Um, and somehow they had saves a day had like caught on. Did that happen like during the tour? Did you notice it happening? Like it was like, oh or, yeah, absolutely, oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. I think I think so much where, yeah, Pop, didn't you kind of say you guys should hit one? Yeah, <laughs> no one yeah. wants to be us. Yeah, they did, yeah. They did like that, half the that, shows. They had the, yeah, that happened. Because yeah. I remember yeah. hearing them play. They're like, here's songs from our new record, and when they played it, I, I, yeah, you know, I'm not trying to say I'm like omniscient or prescient or whatever you call it. But like, I was like, I remember they played that like one Hollyhocks forget me nots. And it has this like, you know, guitar that 
guitar part. And I was like, Oh, these guys are going to get huge. Like I was like, I was like, this is the last time I'm going to see them in a place like this. Yeah. But um, was it a fun tour? Yeah. Range. Um, I mean, I, had fun. I, I think <laughs> for the most part, yeah, it was, it was, it's, it's usually fun going on tour. Uh, we, uh, we wrote a, Sean wrote a really great song while we were driving through um, Philadelphia. I, I remember um, the first, these guys were blown away though. It was the first day of tour. They were like, you know, Chris or whatever was like, well, you know, my, our band is named after Farside song. Yeah. Right. I don't think you guys knew that before. No, I, the tour, right? Or you did? No, I had no idea. I, I think I had read it in like a fanzine or something. Oh, okay. So I, I, I knew it going in. Um, All I know is they made but, uh, us feel very old. Yes. Uh, yeah, well, did. not me, because I was their sister. Well, you kept us in. Yeah. <laughs> did I make you guys feel old, too? I think I did. Oh, uh, but really, of the tour, is like you guys had the far, your record release show, which was the uh, far side... I don't know. It's like a Farset show showcase. Remember that? So that's when Brian Balchek yeah. was uh, played bass. I, I basically cold called these guys. Like I was in uh, the studio with this band, Adam and team I was playing with, and uh, they had asked our engineer, Paul Miner, to play bass. And I was just like, dude, give me their phone number. <laughs> that's like my favorite band of all time. I'm gonna, well, dude, uh, you 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 gave me free batteries when you were working at radio. <laughs> yeah, well, I That's reminded you of a that. lot. <laughs> so How yeah, long were you I, I mean, just I just straight cold called them and I was like, hey, I heard you guys need a bass player, and I gave you free batteries at Radio Shack. <laughs> I was voice <laughs> and, Did you really uh, mention that? I hope. Oh yeah. So well, yeah. Because I was trying to like you know whatever make a connection uh, there because that was yeah. maybe the only time that I'd really talked to Papa. I'd seen Farside a ton of times, <laughs> but uh, I had never really like talk to them you know it's kind of like oh this is like a huge band they're too you know they're they're rock star kind of thing you know i was i guess i was 20 at the time or something um and i i should have just got his number call them and he's like oh you know like typical he's like uh that was you know that's such a sweet message man because i probably gushed about how i love the band and he's like oh you know what though we already got this guy brian um so brian ball check from 1134 uh to play and um and then you know i was like oh that's kind of a bummer that'd be such so rad to play i was trying to find my way out of metal hardcore i think at the time because i was way into other stuff um and then literally two weeks later uh they within well, i was on tour with adamantium they played that show that record release show and then i got a call that uh adamantium was going to break up um that's when uh or maybe i don't know maybe the timeline's messed up on that Anyway, I got back and Popeye had called me and he's like, hey, uh, Brian is going to tour the night instead. So we need someone. We're leaving in like a week and a half or like two weeks to uh, go on tour with Saves the Day on the East Coast. And I was like, yeah, I'm in. You know, uh, I think I learned all the songs within like 24 to 48 hours or I d- did my best to try to figure out Brian's bass lines and we had like two or three practices or I don't know yeah. how many we have. Yeah. A couple. Okay. It wasn't and, much uh, more than that. Yeah. I had never even flown in a plane at that point in my life. I, you know, and, uh, That's so right. my first, my wow. first time we we're flying That's out of right. John. <laughs> John Rosie, we have that in common, buddy. We have that you, in common. First time you, on a flight was flying to Don Fury's in New York. Oh, okay. 
Oh for, man, I uh, forgot about that too. Yeah. So I was like, you know, and uh that was that was fucking crazy. So I was getting on a plane, I was so fucking nervous. And but you know, it was also like so exciting to like get a chance to play with these guys that I looked up yeah, to. Can... And then, you know, they were all like, I think maybe eight to ten years older than me. So they they, you know, they definitely treated me like my stepfathers or whatever, and uh kind of took me under their wing and uh and it was it was pretty awesome, man. Um a couple of memories about the tour that I have before we get to a horse in the ghetto is that uh something that every time I bring it up to someone is Jamie Josta was our tour manager. Um yeah. which was <laughs> I didn't I don't know if he's tour managed many bands, but uh that was pretty pretty trippy when he I don't I think he only came out to like one or two shows, right? But yeah. There was like a couple times where the, the pay, you know, like no one showed up in like Maine or something like that. And they're like, oh, sorry, we don't have any money to give you. And Popeye calls Jamie and like, hey, uh, these guys aren't paying us. I don't know if it was Maine show. I don't call them out. But and then all of a sudden, Jamie's like, what the fuck? They fucking owe you, you know, all this shit. And he like calls and like uh, and all of a sudden this guy comes running out all like uh, shaking, giving us the money. <laughs> uh, that was pretty cool. <laughs> were you a yeah. fan of saves the day too before uh doing the tour um you know what yeah there was that i think i all i really knew was that east coast versus west coast comp because i yeah. you know there were so many rad songs on that and adam and team had played with them when they did the rev tour up in oregon and they i mean they sounded like lifetime at that time you know i felt like and i was like oh this is kind of like a new lifetime yeah. sounded bound which i you know i really liked and uh yeah so but i was blown away like on that tour because you know i didn't know i was like i'm with farside this place to be sold out it's, you know because like every show i'd ever seen them at in california was like a packed show sold out show so to like get there and then the first night chris to be like oh uh we're named after you guys and then them just like i mean they were crushing it you know like they were blowing up uh yeah, but they were also like super cool. But then Chris would do like these like acoustic shows privately after the show, like <laughs> right? You remember you guys remember that? Yeah. And Popeye would I do. Yeah. He, he would convince Popeye to do a song like on acoustic out at the car or at the van afterwards, which was kind yeah. Of there's cool. like video you can see in like one of the their documentary of them like in an alleyway, just like playing him playing acoustic guitar. Yeah. But yeah, they were they were my age, you know, just twenty one or so, uh, or maybe they were even younger. I felt like Chris was pretty, or someone in the band was like seventeen or something like that. Yeah, they were. I think they were like, you know, around my age, so probably like born eighty, eighty one. So whatever uh, that would make in yeah. relation to you, yeah, uh, yeah, seventy eight. So yeah, a couple, a couple, really close to each other. Um, but yeah, they were they were all super cool. I felt like you know. Yeah, I felt like these guys kind of were like, I don't know. I, you guys were like a little bit. You're like, what all these young guys? Even me. <laughs> you know, I thought uh, Bob would call me young so, buck or something like that. And uh, you know, there was they were seeing this change of, uh, yeah. you know, it was music and hardcore and all this stuff being like a, you know, changes pretty quickly, and it's, it always goes to like the younger generation. Yeah, I think that I think that tour really pointed out to us that our time was coming to a close as a band. Um, 
Yeah. Uh, yeah. What did we, we rented a Buick, I think, Bob? Question we, uh, this was, this is a van. You guys had, uh, we had a driver, someone that had a van. Oh, that's right. Jeremy Weiss. Okay. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, but no, like you were, like you were talking about the, the the people that came to see the show were really there to see the other bands and not us and so we would kind of we would do that thing like hey can we play earlier and you can headline kind of thing yeah. I, th- I think it all kind of to me at least it, it really kind of drove it home that you know there there's really nothing more that we can do as a band and nobody cares anymore and but it's it's in on one hand then it's I think it's good. I, I think it's good when bands do that when they know when to stop because we can all probably think of some that didn't know when to stop and just keep, you know, keep going and going and going. And it's just these diminishing returns. I mean, I've been in bands too where like you kind of just know when you're like, hey, this band opened for us, you know, a year ago and now they're doing this it, it, you get to a point where you're like we've taken this as far as as it can go you yeah. know creatively and professionally or whatever um did you do a last show did you know it was a last show or was it just kind of like mm-hmm. i mean know? we kept playing for like two more years afterwards i think i booked every show we did I would, you know, there were, they yeah, had never, you cared more never, about it than the rest of us did. Well, you know, and I actually read an interview recently that Kevin wrote, and he's like, oh, Sean does everything now, or something. And I was like, oh, that's cool. <laughs> I don't think I'd ever read it. Um, I definitely tried to keep it going. Because uh, you guys never said that, like, this was going to end. You just were like, uh, no one likes this anymore. I could tell that, like, the morale was down. Bob was like, kind of sick of uh like these guys had the chance to tour before you know like those what she was just talking about like australia and all these huge places and you guys turned it down then and you guys weren't going to do it um but i feel like that we did play probably 20 shows over the next two years uh you know i was booking them so we ended up playing like the Newport takeover hardcore formal with like throw down an 18. Oh, the punk rock prom. Oh yeah. Yeah. You know, but, uh, and then we, you know, we played, we played Aoki. Oh yeah. That's the one Bob didn't show up to. So we put the pickle patch, Steve Aoki's, uh, place (laughs) and Bob didn't (laughs) tell us. It was just like, and then, you told us like the day of the show. You're like, I'm not coming. So we all go up there. And then Kevin played drum. I, Kevin has a recording that we just heard, and I, I hope no one ever hears. <laughs> but, uh, Kevin uh, played drums. Uh, who were we playing with? Smile? Yeah, I think it was yeah. Radar. And Radar. Mm-hmm. Sure. Um, but yeah, I felt like we, and we played a good amount of shows, but I think the end didn't really come until I uh, weirdly was going to play guitar for the Ataris on uh, warp tour or something like that or like oh, wow. opportunity. and i didn't even play guitar but i was trying to figure out how to do it to go and they ended up i guess the guitar player has his arm uh broken or something like that and he's like fuck it he just cut the cut cast off but when he found out i was in far side he was calling uh 
he was calling me. He's like, dude, do you want to come play the glass house? Can Farside open for us? Like, I fucking love Farside. You know, I'd always hear that. Um, and he, he's like, dude, we'll, we'll take you on tour or whatever. And then I had called Popeye. Or I called Kevin. Kevin's like, I'm down to do it. Or Bob said he's down to do it. Popeye was just like, no, man, we're not, we're not going to play anymore. <laughs> that, was like, that was like the final uh, thing, I think, yeah. when I found out that we weren't going to do it anymore. So do you know what the last show happened to be, like, that you played? The Showcase Theater in Corona? I, th- I think the Aoki, no. I think the one Bob didn't show up was probably our last. I yeah, think you're right. Yeah. You That's can't awesome. have that be your last show. <laughs> That's awesome. Why not? <laughs> I know. I love that that perfect. Uh, 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 your drummer doesn't show up because he got a knee injury from a motorcycle no. accident. And, no, um, it's not. No. He got eaten by I a remember. robotic dinosaur. No. I was racing motorcycle that day. And I told you guys, I'm not doing it. Because in, we passed exactly up a that good tour. Of voice, and I that's said, how you spoke. Not and you guys it. were, you're not going to go? And I remember <laughs> saying, no, go and race my dirt bike. <laughs> and you guys were couldn't believe it. Yeah, we thought you were joking. I think. But like you said, the point yeah. we're on the road up there. But like you said, Bob, like you were just kind of like, we had all these chances to play. We didn't do it. Yeah, so. I think, I think, yeah, at that point, I was kind of. If we're not, if we're going to bypass a couple of things that would be really cool and be able to travel and stuff, I didn't really want to go drive for a hundred bucks to get a, to play some dorm room, some annoying kid. I didn't, didn't know. I, I was always annoyed with Steve Aoki. So, okay. Then, okay. <laughs> and then uh, <laughs> Bob was the one who like called. So Steve uh, was a close friend of mine in high school and Javier's, um, you know, we, the first time I had seen Farside play, you know, they had, uh, you know, it was like them in Sensefield in Costa Mesa, where we were from, and uh, it was like super exciting to see Farside. And I had never really heard Sensefield, but it was like the crowd reaction was like, "Oh shit, this is like a band I need to get into." Um, but you know, I don't know. Steve was a super fan of Farside as well, and I don't know if he begged you guys to get up. I don't know if you guys have talked to us on the other podcast, but uh, Aoki begged Farside to like let him sing "Hero." So, you know, here's like our good friend getting on stage with Farside and it was like super exciting. And so Bob had told me that he had just like thumbed through <laughs> the Steve memoir in a bookstore. And there's a whole dedication part to like, the, there's awesome. a picture of him getting up there with Farside. And I think he writes about it, right? I haven't picked up the book, Bob. Yeah, he did. I was in a Barnes and Nobles with my kids years ago. And we're just looking around. I stumbled across it. I'm like, no way. I wonder if. I wonder if there's any mention. I opened it up. There's a full, yeah, two pages in there. I mean, you know, he's a, I'm sure a great guy. Anything. I just remember being who he, cause he was a super fan. He'd come to every show and, and sing. Yeah. And, and it was good that I was getting tired of it. But, uh, yeah. <laughs> but I mean, not, basically, he basically like, now he's on uh, you know, where he's got the, someone's just in <laughs> Vegas and they showed me a billboard of him, like on the side of the whole building. I'm like, wow. I, mean, but, uh, I, will, I will make it clear he did not have to beg to come on stage it, it, it's because he showed up at every show yeah yeah he's thinking along was like dude come up here man yeah like, he is a big fan we're a hard you know in my mind we were always a hardcore band it's like why is nobody on stage get up here man 
Uh, but you guys, were, you, you guys were you, saying you that can't like, sing, but go for it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, but Bob, you said it terrible. I, mean, I but think it was in, like good for you, man. In the book, he says like this moment is the moment that changed my career. Yeah, it was a right? big like, thing, and I was kind of taken back. Like, wow, this meant a lot to him. So it's pretty cool. Yeah, oh. crazy. It's like a lot of things. Um, uh, like we were talking about. I hope you're unhappy a little while ago and you do things and you don't realize that it's going to matter to anybody. You're just kind of living in the moment, but uh, for a lot of people, it, uh, it ends up being an important part of their lives. And um, I mean, I greatly appreciate all of that kind of stuff and everything that we did as a band, but when you're in the moment, you don't think of anything no, more than that you're just you're just like eh, we're just doing a thing you know but you know 20 years later 30 years later people are telling you this kind of stuff it's not always easy to get um it's not always easy to wrap your head around it um but it's great to hear you know, and then you know we're, later, we're sad later, because uh, Later on, I'm going, to be, I'm going to be cleaning out litter boxes and, <laughs> it, and it's like, whatever, you know. You're but, like, but at least I had that mention in the Steve Aoki book. Yeah. No, yeah. but I, I, I totally get that. And, you know, we're, we're bummed. We always get bummed when we are doing this podcast and we have bands that have multiple releases on Rev. And, you know, this is the last far side. So it's a little bittersweet. Um you know, for us, because we, uh, we won't have any more reason to talk to you guys about this stuff unless, uh, Rev puts out some kind of rarity, far side rarities or something <laughs> or re-releases uh scrap <clears throat> with a, with a Rev catalog number. You know, you can just call to say hi once in a while. That's right. <laughs> That's cool too. <laughs> I appreciate that. I'm going to take you up on that, but well, actually Popeye, I mean, we can say we, we know that in like 10 years or something, we'll be, we'll be talking to you because you, you'll have another rev star. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so I'll be in my fifties. So, um, Oh, one more thing I did want to talk that Jason had mentioned in the documentary is uh, Jason, we're talking about the vocals, Popeye tracking the vocals. Oh, and it, yeah. it blew my mind to be like, yeah, he's like smoking and drinking while, while tracking drinking coffee, like, uh, drinking, drinking coffee, yeah. smoking yeah. cigarettes. And I'm like, yeah. how did you not destroy your voice? And Jim, yeah. as a as a producer and engineer, what was that Evans, like to watch? You know, he was yeah, brewing I, the coffee I, and providing the smoke. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Right, Jim? Evan's documentary should have been called Let's See How Much Popeye Can Smoke in an, in an Hour. Mm -hmm. I, I know it was, it was embarrassing. Um, um, gosh, we would, yeah, I but I blame Jim for everything. We, we would uh, drink the strongest coffee like at 11 o'clock at night. It was so stupid. <laughs> <laughs> um, what the hell were you thinking? But, um, I gotta say, I watched, I sat through that uh documentary one time, <laughs> and to watch, to sit and watch somebody do takes over and over, it's like watching me make sausage. Who does that? <laughs> oh, dude. This is funny because you're that. you're a recording engineer. That was my favorite part. That was yeah, my favorite it, part of the movie when he's doing the as, uh, as Popeye. That's his favorite part of the movie. <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't know. It just seems like uh, I wouldn't. 
I, I wouldn't feel particularly great about, oh, take 17. Yeah, that was a sweet one. Let's do it again. Take, <laughs> I, mean, who, I don't know. I just, Evan, Evan, I like you. But um, we'll just stop right there. It was like watching a thrasher. It's, it was like watching one of those thrasher clips where the person is skating and they're trying to do, you know, Trying to ollie and down a set of stairs and then not yeah. pulling it off and then not pulling it off and not pulling it off and they do pull it off. I don't know. You feel, you feel the sense of uh, happiness for them that they pulled it off right. for, for gotta, the gotta, harmony. So we got we got to clarify one on the thing. slow dance. You know, we said we said that there was a lot of goofing around. We did goof around a lot. The record was mostly recorded in about seven months. I had to go look it up because of somebody called me out on it. Mostly recorded over the course of like seven months. We worked hard on it. We sang, we sang things over and over to get it. I, I felt, I always thought it was going to be the last record. And I think the mindset was, let's, let's go out with a great record that we all really feel really strong about. So Chu, Chu spent a long time making great bass tracks. And he got so much better as a bass player. And he has great bass tracks. Uh, Papa and I, we sang, we sang, sang. When there was a question about it, we're going to sing it again. We're going to get it better. And uh, so we worked really hard on this record as much as we goofed around. Um, mostly recorded over the course of seven months sporadically. Then it was stopped. It was shut down for a whole year. Nothing took place for a whole year. At the end of that year, we mixed it. So I had to clarify that. And, okay. awesome. and I'm glad you, you said that. Because yeah. Yeah. I... No, when you say 97 to 99, it's like... Uh, I, 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 Chinese I, I, democracy. Take issue with yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, we recorded sporadically over the course of seven, seven or eight months. Yeah. That for an entire year, uh, for a couple of reasons, and then at the end of that time, we mixed we mixed it, and then it was done. Correct me if and I'm. No, I personally, think personally. Yeah, I think you're right I, on. I am so proud of this record. I mean, uh, it, it's a little bloated because there is just a lot jammed into there, but it's the only time I've ever recorded something where I was happy with how my vocals turned out. Which, which I attribute to Jim really pushing me. And, and, and the same stuff you saw in the documentary where Popeye's doing the same line over and over and over again, same, same thing here. And, and at the time it was awful, but the end result, I, I, was, I, was, I was happy with it. I love the way it sounds. It just sounds huge. It's, I mean, and, and, I, and I always liked the way the rig sounded because I remember when we were recording, we were kind of like, let's push the guitars up a bit and really kind of make this a little beefy sounding. And I just love the, the like, choose bass. Holy fuck, that thing is a bulldozer. Yeah. Like the distortion on that, it's sometimes it's just, it's yeah. just killer. Um, and Bob sounds great and Popeye sounds fantastic. And, and the songs are good. And I, I realize this is my own band and it makes me sound pompous as shit, but goddamn, I'm proud of that record. And, and mean, I think doesn't. it was such a good way to go out. I was going to ask if, if this, in, in hindsight, is this your favorite far side record? You've oh, like, is far. this the one that you would it's play for? Definitely me? mine. Yeah. Yeah. My favorite. I listen yeah, people, to this record. Like yeah. I will put this one like on for pleasure and I'll listen. I don't listen to my songs because that's, it, it, I still sort of critique it no matter what but like, yeah. like that's funny because i do this i do, do you that's funny because yeah. yeah exactly like statues of snow yeah. is 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 my that's my hot track for there we go i was gonna say um, should we, should we we'll, we'll kick it into uh 
hot well, trash. Well, hold on, hold on okay. one second because so I, Javier, edit that part out so there's no spoiler for Popeye's hot track. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so here's the thing: uh, can we talk about blue highways for a second? Yeah. Yes. Please. Because I want to blame Jim Monroe for all of that. <laughs> Jim, are you going well, to take credit for the I, the pain I, that we I went say through? Good job. I say good job, Jim, because honestly, Papa, I don't think you've ever sounded better. We worked really hard on that song. And, and you know, when somebody does, uh, when you're supposed to do a cover song, you're supposed to, you're supposed to change it up. Otherwise, you're just kind of painting somebody else's picture. And we, I think yeah. we had good intentions. And we just like, and I just, we default, I think we both felt like, man, that's such a well-crafted song. How are we going to? How are we going to improve upon, or obviously we didn't make a lounge thing out of it, or <laughs> turn it into a, uh, you know, like one of the other goofy co- uh, cover songs? But uh, uh, and I blame nobody but myself. But it kind of it very much is just like like Graham Parker's version. Um, we worked yeah. really. Uh, we probably spent two or three nights singing that song and yep. worked really hard on it. It's a three minute song and. Uh, yeah. That's no shame. There's no there's no auto tune back in '97, '98, and uh, uh, granted, we um, we drank a lot of coffee and told a lot mm-hmm. of jokes. But we uh, well, so um, I don't know. I was I was stoked we took that song. I was, I'm, uh, I'm a big Grand Parker fan, so yeah. um, I thought it was cool that he took it on. Uh, yeah. Do, do Do you even remember how that came about? Because I do. I remember, first of all, I remember bringing in my espresso machine to the studio every time we were yep. recording and making. Oh, jacked up. Okay, on so, okay, yeah, oh, God, yeah. Um, but there was a, there was one night where we were, we were kind of done for the night and you just, and I was familiar with Graham Parker, but you just, you popped in that CD just to kind of, you know, come back down to earth a little bit. And Blue Highway came on, and I was like, whoa, what's this? And you were like, well, it's Graham Parker. Yeah, no, it's Graham Parker. I've never heard this song before. And it was like, hmm, you want to try that? And then it took three days in the studio (laughs) to do that supposedly simple song, but we were just so obsessed with it. Um, And all these years later, so many people have said, Oh man, Blue Highway, that's my favorite song on that record. Oh, yeah. I, I it. <laughs> it's a great way to it's a great way to end the record. It's like the it's a great way to end it. Yeah. I kind of felt like it was uh, um appropriate in a way. And um uh Jim, you're three thousand miles away from me, so you can't punch me in the face, but I kind of felt like it was something that I wanted to do with you personally so badly. Oh, it's nice. That's and, nice to say. And stress over, you know, with with you more than anybody else. Like I, I couldn't do something. I couldn't do something like that on my own uh, at home. Like, I, like I just kind of felt at that point, you know, the reason why we named the album after you. Like, we developed a kinship with one another. And Very nice. Like, you know, all those all those nights where it was like two, three, four o'clock in the morning. And we can't even see straight and we're trying to do something. And I just, if it makes any sense, I, I just felt this need that I needed to do that song with you. Excellent. I thought you're not even, you're not even looking at me right 
No, I, um, <laughs> I don't know what I'm saying. You're, pre- you're pretending. To, I can see you. You're pretending to push buttons and things. No, it's. Um, you, made I it, I, you made it amazing, man. So, no, I, so um, thank you. I, and I blame you for everything. Okay, very good. I did email Grant Parker. And I think I showed you. I remember. And uh, (laughs) I thought he was going to bite my head off. And he said, well, I'm glad somebody covered it. (laughs) (laughs) That's cool. I won't tell you what he said the song was about, but you can figure it out. (laughs) So, Jason. Do you think it's time to kick? uh... All right. Jim, first timer. Okay, I, I got two. I don't care about the rules. I got two. <laughs> I have two as well. So okay, there I feel better. Um, statues. I think it's a brilliant, brilliant song. The acoustic in that's genius. Really, really great. The acoustic and the breakdown and love the statues. Um, statues in the snow. To be clear, I believe it's called. And then uh, slow dance. I love slow dance. Um, it's really, uh, it's, I listen to it all the time. You know, the song, some songs have staying power. A lot of songs don't have any staying power. And uh, you can uh, listen to a song a couple, few times. It's like, I will never return to that song. And I still return to those songs and they, they, they still resonate with me. So that's my hot tracks and I'm sticking with them. I, don't I like it. Said. I like it. Sean, you're next. Um, yeah, same ones, really. But, um, you know, there's this like live video of us playing the Melody Bar in New Jersey that New I Brunswick, watched recently. Yeah. yeah, New Brunswick. Yeah. And, um, New Brunswick, sorry. And, um, no, it's in New Jersey. You're good. Is it okay? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, you know, mm. I don't know. There's something about that just takes me back to like, uh, we're playing Statues of Snow and it's like, you know, that instrumental break in the middle. When it's just like just guitars for a second, um, and I can pre- it really takes me back to just like linking in with Kevin because I, I I do love that song, um, and it's just a yeah I could just hear it and it's something about it is just has a special feeling about being on that tour and uh, just loving that that song. Um, I I know Papa hates slow dance, but I think you know what I was talking about earlier how we had heard like. Um, moral straitjacket, and I, uh, I hope you're unhappy. I feel like slow dance is the, the third in that uh, third song that kind of fits into that vein. And there was, you know, people. I don't know if we even played on that tour because Papa hated it. He didn't want to ever. Do you remember? Is am I right about that? It Papa? was impossible. Like yeah. I think we played it. I think we tried doing it once or possibly twice on that last tour, and it was just disastrous. And so we were just like, we're never playing this. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I just don't think we played it there. And I think we, for the rest of the, how many ever shows we did, we did play it, but you just didn't like it for some reason. But yeah, I mean, that song, is, yeah, I still can relate to it today. And uh, um, But yeah, those two, I think, uh, are also my hot tracks. Awesome. Uh, who wants to go next? Jason, why don't you go yeah. next? Man, when I listen back to this, teach me how to die or rip my fucking face off when I listen to it. That yes. song is awesome. But Lord forgive me, my hot track's gotta be I hope you're unhappy because I'm so big on lyrics. 
the lyrics of that song, you got to think when this song came out, and I know the song is not written for people to relate to it necessarily, but I had started my first office job, you know, very serious. And when I heard I'm at my suit job every day, Far Side's writing a new LP. Even now, every time I heard Far Side's writing a new LP, it just makes you happy inside. So great lyrics, great song. Got to be my hot track. Awesome. I guess I'll, I'll go next. That way we can end with someone that's not me. <laughs> so I also picked two because, like I said, I do my I have another podcast where we where I do Husker Do and I pick a Grant and a Bob song. So I'm picking a Kevin and a Popeye song because whatever. I mean, Statues of Snow. Come on. I have to pick that for Kevin. The song's incredible. Um, and because I picked Moral Straightjacket for Antimatter, I'm not going to pick it. For this i'm gonna go with i love seven day constant i love the uh oh, the jeff some jeff coddle yeah. backup vocals on it yeah um and the chorus and just you know that i always love the line like briefly felt like it was christmas eve because like you know you, that chris it just it invokes this feeling and i think it's a great it's a great song and um so that's my that's my popeye cut Chew's back on, I think. Chew, you on? Yeah, I'm on. Okay. Can you don't hear me? Yeah. Yes, yeah. Chew. What's hot, your hot, hot track, track on? Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm gonna go with this one right here. Like, I don't, I don't know if it's a hot track, but it could have been a hot track if we actually recorded it. But uh, there's a Fishbone song that Papa used to sing called "Pouring <laughs> Rain." And 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 if if yeah, if if that was recorded, that would have been a hot track on that album right there. Fishbone, <laughs> a cover of Fishbone's "Pouring Rain." That would have been the shit. And, uh, Did yeah, we ever talk about recording that? No, but I mean, that would that would have been the track. I remember probably, I don't know where he sung it. I don't even know where he sung it. I remember hearing him sing it. I'm like, that fucking song right there is dope. We should do that. And I don't know. I never had a chance to, but it would still be dope. What about on the song? On the album, yeah. I mean, I'm, I don't, man, I don't know, man. I don't even remember the name of the song. I was going to say, you don't know the um, song titles. <laughs> I, I forgot them, seriously, but like, like there's, there's, a lot, there's a handful of them. I don't, I don't even know I can take one. There's a bunch of good ones. My favorite, the bunch Bob of good pick, ones. Bob pick, yeah, Bob, pick an extra one for me. Bob All right, me. I'll go because you called me out. Um, I'm looking up song titles right now. <clears throat> Seven Days Great, great song, Pop. But I got to be honest, Kevin knows Thanks. what I'm going to say. Liz Hurley it was so fun for me to play. And the reason why I like it <laughs> is because Kevin's explanation of the song in the beginning, which here's how he explained it. Okay, this song's pretty short, has no lyrics, and nothing repeats. And I said, that sounds awesome. And we played it, and I've loved it ever since. <laughs> and for uh, Chew, I'll pick Bled. I think Bled was super fun. Was, I think it was... Uh, fun and 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 you know for me to play and it was I'd always miss one part of it. Pop would help me out with it, um, <laughs> but I think uh, yeah, it shows a little bit of hardcore range in your voice, Mike. I dig it. <laughs> Thanks, man. <laughs> yeah, the the Liz Hurley and Blood. I remember Liz Hurley. You were like, let's do this part again. Like we <laughs> had it down, but you would insist that we would play it again. I don't know why, as so if you were pretending on. like. Uh, I don't, let's do it again because you because you just wanted to bash away I just love that shit. part right there I don't know why still to this day love it I told Kevin that 
in his uh, memoir book yeah. we wrote. I don't know whatever it was. Happy birthday. 45 seconds. Get in, yeah. get out. What was the reason? And we never played it live, right? Uh, no. Uh, I don't think we did, though. For the title, what was the reason he chose that, like, we just super into Liz Hurley? she's adorable. <laughs> no. So what it was is we, we had done a whole bunch of shows with Engine Kid. And, and I, and my favorite engine kid songs are like the really short instrumentals like Herbie Hancock. And there's another one. I can't remember. Uh, it was, it was also named after somebody else. And then do you guys know the band tar from Chicago? Yeah. They did a split with Jawbox, right? Yeah. So they had a bunch of songs that were like named after people. Um, and so I just thought, I just thought the idea was funny of just like, like name a song, after a person that has no lyrics. So people will be going, why is it named Liz Hurley? And, and that was, that was it. I just thought it was, I'll confuse people and it'll be funny. When we post this, and we'll, I, don't, we'll, I don't know if it was funny, but we'll tag her on uh, Instagram. <laughs> <Sure>. <laughs> She'll be sure. We'll get, Maybe we'll get her on for a Patreon episode. Sure. Yes. <laughs> Popeye, you're, you're last. Um, hey, I haven't gone, but I'll go last. Oh wait, you can't, I thought, you know what? No. Oh my goodness, you're right. Oh, fuck. Maybe I need some of that strong <laughs> coffee from uh, that you guys. <laughs> All right, well then, Papa and Kevin, you guys duke it out for who goes next. Kevin, I've never liked you. <laughs> okay, then you can go. But I appreciate you. Um, <laughs> I was no, useful on, for you. <laughs> on, okay. Uh, no, for me, it's it's statues of snow. Um, uh I, I just, I love the way it all kind of came together. Um, and I love, I love the way that Jim was able to transition it into uh, mm. seven day concert. Yeah. So I think it's like that. It's like mm. both of those songs kind of merging together into this, you know, I don't want to call it an opus kind of thing, but I just love the way. And sadly, I don't, I don't know if we ever did that live. I don't think we ever had the skills to the energy, do I don't think. The, yeah, to do both of those songs because they they were just always so epic to me. Um, but uh, um, yeah, Statues of Snow is always my favorite, and I got to do, I got to do cool stuff on guitar and not sing, uh, just do backups and try to pretend to be a uh, just to play guitar and copy what you did <laughs> or try to emulate what you would do, Kevin. That's pretty much what what I did with all of our far side songs is I would watch you and be like, Oh, maybe I could try to do that. Like, Oh yeah, exactly. (laughs) Oh, Hey, you, you like DRI. Okay. Uh, You like DRI? All right. Kevin last, but certainly not least. What you got? Fuck man. I've got a bunch. So I love better than crying. Um, I love how metal that song is. I love I love that fucking down picking on the E. I love it. Um I'm surprised by how by uh the love that Statues of Snow is getting. I think that song's fine, but it's not awesome. I'm happy with the lyrics, but I think musically it was it was it was fine. But I appreciate I think it. that's I, nice. If I can interrupt you, I think there are certain I think there are certain situations when a band comes together in the studio and it it just it's fire. And I think that's what happened with that song. Like somehow, somehow it just worked and we just got it together. Cause it, 
it doesn't necessarily have to be the best song, but when you play it together in a certain way, it becomes the best song. And I yeah. think to me, at least that's um, what happened with that one. We just, I'm, I'm, I don't I'm know. Super and, uncomfortable and, with, with praise, but thank yeah, you. Yeah, no shit. But uh, mm-hmm. yeah. It's I, hard. I, it's uh, hard. It's hard to, I mean, I, it's hard to take praise. At least that's how I've been conditioned. Like, especially face to face, like having someone tell it. So I get it, but it's a great yeah. song. Sorry. Also, I think like 10, <laughs> uh, however long ago this was, 20 years ago, um, it wasn't my favorite song. But then I listened to the album again last week because I was preparing for the hot track thing. Um, and I was like, oh, yeah, that, that's a song. I didn't think anyone else would pick it. And I was like, oh, you know, fuck, I love that song so much. And it's musically, it's just fucking amazing. Like that instrumental break is still, you know, it's, it's just so yeah. great. Yeah, you know, all that's, that's very thing. nice and, and that that makes me very happy it's, it's i appreciate that like i said i'm happy with the lyrics i love i love i'm very happy with the lyrics i love the idea of like telling far side fans that all the things you think are important don't actually matter um <laughs> I, I love that um but i i think my my favorite song on the record is is moral straitjacket i i think that is the best we ever got. And, and like Bob said, Popeye came in with, with pretty much a fully formed song. And then on, and, but, but he, he gave me free reign to do whatever I wanted over it. And so he came in with this, the, the, the skeleton of the song and I'm, I'm real happy. I mean, it's a, it's a little, pompous the little noodly guitar thing at the beginning of the but i think it works um and i just i really like how he and i kind of play off of each other and there's a there's a i don't know what it's called the bridge or the breakdown or whatever it is that comes after all of the scene and it's towards the end and popeye's doing this run that's just this repetitive kind of riff and then Bob, Chu, and I are really just kind of pedaling like one note, then another note, then another note. And we, we, the fourth note that we get to is the only time we do it. And I don't know how else to explain that, but, but it's that one note gets me every time because it's just perfectly placed and it's unexpected and, and, and you, you don't see it coming and then it never happens again, which like Bob said is also why I like um, Liz Hurley, because that, that was the idea was to, to do a song where every riff is, is different, but you don't do it again. Um, which I just, I just thought that was a fun idea. Um, but I think the moral straitjacket, which if I'm not mistaken, um, came from my tour diary, the phrase moral straitjacket came from my tour diary of when we went to Europe and, and Papa, I don't, I don't know if you remember, but there was like these, these Italian, like straight edge kids they were interviewing us and they were just so fucking serious about everything and everything, no matter what it was, like came back to straight edge. And we kept saying like, we're not a straight edge band. <laughs> yes, but straight edge, so important. Blah, blah, blah. And, and I remember writing in my diary, like, fuck you, take your moral straight jacket off. And, and I think <laughs> years later, you, you were like, yeah, I called the song moral straight jacket. And I was like, Oh my God, that's it's a great title. Thank you. That's it's a, great. it's probably a, what it's it, a, yeah. it's a great title. And I mean, I want to say too about that song, because that's, I mean, really that's my 
favorite just because it's my favorite that's my favorite far side song because of hearing it on oh, that man. um that antimatter but bob's drumming on that is just so yep. sick to fill yep. like it's like the ultimate like air drumming song for far side for me yeah bob how do you like playing uh drums for seven minutes for one song like the breaks the breaks well that's why you were always that's why you were always the thinnest one of all of us just the work it is a work kind of new you you took your shirt off because it was more comfortable but then we would the rest of us would be like oh check out those abs <laughs> some, some dude on uh, on instagram there was like there's somebody posted a bunch of pictures of far side and there was a picture of bob playing drums and some guy's comment was i've never seen this guy with a shirt yeah, off I <laughs> saw that comment i love that comment hate to sweat well, but, in a t-shirt but come on that that was always the thing you would you would yeah. we'd We'd show up and you would you would be dressed and then you would play the first song with a shirt on and then after the first song, shirts off and then you stretch out after yeah. the first. Song. What the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> oh, that's when you, well, that's when you had hair down. You know, you had your, your, well, your so big hot. Oh my god! Throw it back, bro. Um, the the last thing that I and, and I'll shut up after this and I'm just ringing my own bell here. Um, the, the song was originally called an explorer's guide to Mars. And at the last minute I decided to name it. I'm not shy. I just don't like you. And I think the song is good, but I fucking love that song title because nothing, if, if you, I don't know, I, I don't know your personalities, but if you're somebody that suffers from social anxiety disorder and, and you like, like just having a conversation with people drains all the energy from you, even if it's your, like, your best friend, <laughs> they're always like, Oh, you're shy. And sometimes you're not shy. Sometimes you just don't like the person. Sure. And, and, and I, I just, I loved the idea of just saying that out loud. Like I would never actually say that to somebody like, you know, <laughs> I'm not shy. I just don't like you. But putting it as a song title, there was just something like, Oh, I put it out there. Um, <laughs> And and I, I that always just made me happy. It's very Great like songs, Larry, yeah. I could picture uh, Larry David saying it to someone. Uh, <laughs> enthusiasm. Yep. Oh, I'm not, not shy. Larry David of hardcore. Yeah. I'm not shy. I just don't like him. <laughs> Kevin, if, well, guys. Kevin, if you don't mind me stroking your ego for a second, I that is one of my favorite. That's always been one of my favorite songs to play, and my favorite line is. I already have enough friends. I already got <laughs> enough friends. Yep. Yep. Like I, I think about that often when I, when someone's talking to me and I'm like, I have, I, I have not a care in the world. What you're saying, I don't want to pretend like I give a fuck right now. And then I exactly. think, eh, I've already got enough friends. <laughs> so, yeah. Right. So yep. you're welcome. Yeah. Yep. Thanks. Yeah, Thanks for screwing up my social life. <laughs> well, I, I, you're welcome. Well, everybody, this was awesome. <laughs> um, I love, and I speak for Jason and Hav. Love Farside. Love the fact that we've gotten to, you know, talk to you guys a bunch of times. And you know, believe me, when these, when the Farside episodes come out, we get 
a lot of people that your records mean a lot to a lot of people, regardless of what you may or may not think at this point, they stay, they tend to really get a lot of feedback, a lot of, you know, people just really excited to listen to, you know, the stories about these records that change people's lives and people grew up with and hold dear. So thank you so much. Uh, Sean, mm-hmm. it was awesome to meet Jim. We might have to punish you other times. Uh, Cause you've yeah. done some other, <laughs> I would love to do some, that if it's possible. Yeah, you, you've done some other <laughs> rev stuff you've done. Like I'm, I'm a huge uh, game face fan. Um, and you know, you did the every last time and, like, did you do? Oh, did you do always on? I know I could look it up, probably, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, you, this might not be the last time we try to bother you. In fact, it won't be. I'm going to be reaching out to you again. I'm it's sure. It's fun. It's fun. Thanks. Uh, um. So. Yeah. You. You seem like you had fun, Jim. So thrilled. <laughs> <Just done> I'll <that. laughs> we'll deal with you later, Mister. <laughs> <laughs> so everybody, thank you, and uh, enjoy the rest of your evening. Thank yeah. you. Thanks to everybody. Yeah. Thank you so much, guys. Yo, Thank peace. you. Thanks again. Pleasure to meet. Hopefully one day our our paths cross in real life, and hopefully it's because you decide to do a proper last show that's not <laughs> at the pickle patch without Bob. <laughs> <laughs> All right, everybody. Thanks. All right.
What's up, y'all? Tavier here. Just wanted to give a special bit of bow to our top tier patrons. Billy Tunnell, Brandon Gavell, Brian Buskey, Brian Skiffington, Brooklyn, Cesar Falcon, Chad Keplinger, David Palmer, Dirk Focust, John Cowell, Quiet Keith, Nate, a fucking head to wall fame, Ryan Walker, Ryan White, Tad Payton, Tim Shear, Tyler of the Life and Death Brigade, and Siren Records. Listen, uh, me and Greg and kind of Jason are about to talk about Monroe Doctrine, but you can only access that if you're a patron. So like we said before, go to the website, check it out, even if it's for, for like a month or whatever. Just fucking, just check it out. Otherwise, we'll see you next episode. Bit of both.